welcome to another installment or episode of the SUAS News Podcast Series where we talk to the newsmakers or are the newsmakers or discuss the news depending upon um, what's going on. And uh, first off, we start off, it's um, uh, Veterans Day weekend and I want to uh, extend a thank you to all of our uh, veterans out there. Wherever you are, um, hey, and uh, we have our co-host today is uh, Gene. Gene, you out there, buddy? I am out here, and I am ready to celebrate Veterans Day too. I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, I'll still celebrate it. I think you're already out there celebrating it this morning. But uh, I'm your host, Patrick Egan. Um, as always, um, we're gonna. I think today we're we're, we're going to talk about a, today's podcast is called Between the Lines. We're going to talk about a lot of current news stories and and how to glean information out of those news stories. I I find a lot of information in those news stories. Gene? You know, I think that uh, now that the election is over with and that all that hoopla has kind of died down, we're starting to see some of the things that were developing prior to the election. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's starting to come out a little at a time, and I'm not Terribly surprised that uh, some things were suppressed, if you will. Because, uh, it wouldn't look good on any administration if, uh, if it turned out that way. But uh, you know, that's that's kind of the way it's been here recently, uh, at least in the last term for sure. And uh, I think we're going to have to start getting used to reading in between those lines to get the intel that we need to find out what's going on. I would concur with that. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, and it seems kind of strange to me. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe people are distracted with other things. I know the the election, uh, a lot of people were caught up on that. And, geez, the news cycles just got crazy. I mean, I I was, uh, I don't know about you, but I I was a little tired of even hearing about uh, the election. It got to be... uh, Yeah. It was. It was been over soon enough for me either. The rhetoric and the the bashing and the mud sling, and it was uh, probably one of the most contentious that I can remember in my 56 years of being around. I think we hit the ad nauseum uh, wall, and uh, you know, either way, I mean, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really matter. A lot of people had a lot of mixed feelings on that deal, and whatever, you know, you move on. I don't. Uh, I don't know. We've got we've got chubbier fish to fry, um, and maybe that's because <laughs> I've got a view where it's like, hey, all unmanned all the time. Um, and then you know that's I think what we would what we're going to talk about today is, is uh, talk about some of these stories, offer uh, for some perspective and insights, uh, some commentary. Um, again, uh, you know I don't know if this happens to you, but. I get these these news stories break on the page, and my phone starts ringing, and, and people are you know calling and asking questions and venting and, and talking about the nuances of it and trying to get my take on it. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, I you know a lot of this stuff you just kind of got to take it and understand it and think about it and decide. You know, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Or what can I glean out of this? And and, and what can I use uh, for myself in the future uh, as part of consulting or, you know, I'm moving forward and giving advice to potential clients and whatnot. 
Uh, does that happen to you, uh, Gene? You get phone calls, people ranting and raving, or what? Well, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of what I call noise out there, and uh, you really have to set up the filters so that you get through the noise and you find out what the meat of the matter is. And yeah, you bet. Um, you know, obviously both of us have been quoted a number of times in various publications, and we get the calls all the time that you know this rumor has popped up. Is this true? Are, are we about to do such and such? And going, Where did you get that? <laughs> um, so, you know, there are some really crazy things that are going on out there, and uh, the with the privacy issue and uh, the whole COA situation and what's going on with it and the new administration there. Yeah, it happens all the time. The phone calls come, and you would not believe some of the comments that we get or some of the the rumors that we hear are coming down the pipe right now, and it's going to impact everyone. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is kind of interesting. Um, and especially, I mean, I, I'm sure you're in the same boat because you're uh, an old-timer in this industry. As, uh, you probably know people from all different you know, walks of, let's say, the sector. I don't want to say walks of life, but from the, you know, the different... Yeah. <laughs> different one, you know, <clears throat> let's say would-be end users. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to get all this different perspective from people. And, uh, you know, uh, other people get perspectives that they don't want to hear about. And I think that that kind of um, segues into the first, let's say, set of stories that I want to talk about. And that's uh, it's our, our pals over there in Iran. No, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to make it a political show, but uh, you know, <clears throat> it's a little unstable over there, in my eyes or my estimation. But uh, you know, one of the stories that uh, we kind of talked about things being a little, uh, let's say, kept on the down low is the the story where they were um, the Iranian Air Force was shooting at the at, at one of our drones, and. You know, I find that kind of interesting, but again, you know, after the gift, the RQ-170 we gave them and and whatnot, you know, uh, uh, I would say that, you know, we are monitoring the situation. No matter what anyone says or what the rhetoric is or, you know, what they're talking, they want energy over there and, you know, we're talking about uh, they don't, they're not making a... A nuclear device and everything's good and it's calm and the sanctions and we got them worked over and they can't do anything. I'm not buying. No. I'm just not well, buying on that one. You know, those those people have been around for a millennia and they're not they're not a, a an ignorant people by any stretch of the imagination. Even though I think sometimes the United States kind of looks at them as a third world country, but. They do have technology, and they do have the technology to be able to put together a centrifuge and to be able to, to refine their uranium. And if they had that sort of technology, it would make sense that, you know, flying an unmanned aircraft, of course, after the gift, we made it a lot easier. But unmanned aircraft are, you know, really, you know, pretty basic flying machines. And, and they do have an Air Force, and they do have people that can fly, you know, sophisticated aircraft. So it, it's no stretch for them to come up with their own. And we've we've been suspicious that, you know, much like the centrifuges that they probably most certainly have, they've probably got some fairly sophisticated 
unmanned aircraft that that have some range on them. I mean, when I say sophisticated, it may it may not have uh, you know a navigation system that is good to within two centimeters, but if you're within 66 feet or 20 meters with a GPS, you're pretty close with the with a electro optical imaging system. You can pick things up and. Here we find out today, or not today, but uh, yesterday I read where they uh, were, have been spying on the Israelis. <clears throat> Shocked. And where are the Israelis? I mean, <laughs> we, you know, one of the things that we have been kind of uh, kept on the back burner, we haven't talked about much, is UA countermeasures. Mm, yes. Well, I know that's a hot subject, but you know, even the uh, on the Iranian subject you know they've been supplying hezbollah and uh, I, I always forget the other uh group over there besides hezbollah but you know they've been supplying those hamas thank you <laughs> i knew it started with an h uh you know with drones for years and you know it's kind of funny um you know we've got this uh you know we're, we control the skies with the drones and it's all great and yada 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 which isn't really true uh, but I do think one thing I wanted to hit on this is I think as even the, the layperson um, or newcomer to this industry, I think you could read that article and you could deduce or it is fair to say that you could pick out uh, capabilities, system capabilities, um, reading that article. You agree, disagree, Gene? No, no I agree completely. Yeah. I know it's it's kind of weird. It's a, it's thinly veiled, you know. The, the the details are in there, um, and you can say, hmm, well, I guess this can do this or that or whatever else. But uh, yeah, I don't really think the sanctions are working. Um, you know, uh, last week on the uh, SUAS News uh, website, we ran a story, you know, that uh, you know the Iranians are announcing that they have uh, advanced drone technology. And so, you know, uh, I think we were far ahead of the curve on that one. And last year we did the story on the Iranian uh, student competition. And I, I don't know if you remember that, Gene, but uh, I remember looking at the, let's say, the, the, the test matrix or outline for that uh, competition, and, and I was pretty impressed, especially for a com country that is supposedly just crippled by sanctions. Um, I, I was a little taken aback. Comments? Well, I can certainly attest to the fact that, of course, you know, like a, a good web geek, I, I do have a web snoop on my, my homepage, and uh, I can see where people are coming from all over the world. And uh, there have been no shortage of Iranian visits on my webpage. And uh, some others that we'll get into a little later in the podcast, uh, even more significantly but uh, and more blatant. But uh, I certainly agree that, that these guys are capable of, you know, looking at something and saying, you know, hey, we can do that. And my opinion is is that the more we squeeze them with the, you know, trying to, trying to embargo them and, and cut them off from the world, the harder they're going to push back. And one of these times they're going to push back pretty hard, and it may be with the product of one of those centrifuges that they say they don't have. Right. And, you know, I, don't know, I think we're playing a dangerous game, but, you know, whatever. The the other thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, that Coker 1 VTOL 
uh, drone. That's also a story on the SUAS news. And, you know, that was another thing. You know, some some people think, oh, well, you know, these guys, they're just blowing smoke, and those are Photoshopped photos, and, they're, you know, they don't have those capabilities, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, the Coker one, I've seen this on uh, RC groups, this, this kind of design here, you know, going back to... Uh, you know, the interweb. But the one thing that I do have to mention is, is I'm not really buying uh, this thing that, like, these uh, these are photoshopped and they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to make this stuff. I'm not buying that. Because, you know, you read, again, you read the details of the story and they'll talk about limitations of altitude and temperature, which, uh, to me, lend uh, credibility to these stories. And if it was just made up and, and it didn't really fly or whatever else, I don't think they would add these um, these details to the story. And maybe I'm gullible. What do you think? I, you know, I, I'll have to disagree with you a little bit there, Patrick, because sure. the, 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 the Persians and the, that whole area over there, the Iraqis, the Iranians and everything, they've been known to embellish the truth just a little bit. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, you know, Chemical Ali over there going, you know, what war? There's no war here, and the bombs are dropping around, and, you know, we're in complete control. I think the uh, the Iranians are smart enough, again, that uh, even though they may not have all the technical expertise they need to understand it, they know how to read the web, and all these capabilities that you see, the 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 ceilings, the, the limitations, the fuel capacities, the endurance and stuff like that are all available on the web from our website. So they, they know that that's required. They know that, you know, if, if, if they have anybody with any aviation experience, which they do, that we're going to have to start quoting these things and using these buzzwords to make sure we look smart enough to do so. So I think that they could be embellishing the truth, and I think there's there's one very famous picture of uh, a half a dozen missiles being fired at once that uh, was obviously photoshopped here a while back. I think it was last year when they did an exercise. That's true. That's true. Something to take into consideration. But, you know, here again, though, okay, so they photoshopped in a couple extra missiles. They fired three instead of six. They still fired three. Right. Well, and I agree. I mean, you know, maybe uh, there's some embellishing going on there. We have to definitely uh, keep an open mind and be objective about that. But I, I, I do think that there is there are some kernels of truth in there, and uh, maybe I am gullible. I don't know. But, uh, again, the, the competitions and, and whatever else that we're seeing, uh, I do think that uh, there is real capability there, and I think we're ignoring it. But, again, that's me. And it's the same, you know. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, there is definitely a capability there. No matter what anybody wants to say, it may not be as sufficiently advanced, but the capability exists, and they're going to use it in the, in the story right there. Yeah, they are, and, uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's again, you know, the different models, I think, of, uh, you know, having something that's really high-tech and cost $150 million, or having something that's maybe a couple of rungs below uh, high tech, but still very, uh, let's say, robust or usable, and something that cost ten thousand dollars. And we're seeing a lot of that, even in our country. And uh, you know, kind of like you alluded to too. You know, you may not be down to the two centimeters, but it may be two meters or whatever. Is that good enough? I think that's probably going to be good enough. You know, 
Um, so we'll see. But I mean, that also segues into the next one, which is the China thing. And uh, I don't know if you saw that the uh, yeah. Long, the Divine Dragon robotics police plane. You know, which uh, looks a lot like what we're working on. And you know, I don't think it's a big deal. And I, you know, I, I just I think it shows again that uh, these these other countries and the proliferation of the technology and the internet and all the rest of that are coming on strong with the technology. So, uh, you know, things to work or, or look at, and um, you know, maybe uh, time to reflect on what the rest of the world is doing with unmanned uh, systems. You know. Um, something to think about. I know some of most of their systems. I mean, I, I don't know. They've got the stealth plane. They're working on the rocket plane. They got unmanned aircraft uh, coming on strong. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen those stories. Well, you know, Patrick, China has been one of the best replication societies since the turn of the century. They don't do a significant amount of breakthrough technology or, or breakthrough research, although that even that is starting to change, but they have always been exceptionally good at getting an original and copying it and doing it very cheaply. Now, granted, some of the first iterations are a little rough and they're, they're not too good, but uh, again, we, okay, we, the United States, has gone in and showed them how to improve their production processes, how to improve their fit and finish. And I think that we're starting to see some of that come out now. I would agree with that. And I think we're going to see more of that as time goes by. Um, again, you know, uh, they're heavy into the unmanned. I, I think the unmanned thing, it's funny, is, uh, you know, even if we're on LinkedIn, people were talking about, you know, what's better, the manned or the unmanned uh, ISR assets. And I, I definitely think, like, even if you flash back to the gift, you know, the gift went down in uh, Iran, and, yes, it was kind of an embarrassment, whatever else. Again, if there was a manned aircraft that went down, we'd have another Gary Powers deal, you know. And uh, that's a whole international incident. So, you know, I really think it's here to stay. And, you know, how long is it before we have, you know, uh, see, you know, Chinese equivalents of the Global Hawk or Predator flying, you know, outside of our airspace? What do you think on I that? Would, I would not be a bit surprised. I think, Patrick, uh, it was you that found a website, a Chinese website. I think it was almost two years ago, that had a, uh, a photo gallery of all of the aircraft that they had been copying, <laughs> and it was quite an extensive gallery, and uh, I think we saw the shadow in there, we saw, you know, several smaller aircraft and several larger aircraft, and uh, at, at the recent show, the recent uh, model show that they had there, even though they kind of rolled unmanned aircraft into their RC end of it, there was a very, very sophisticated uh, looking, anyway, unmanned aircraft that was about, uh, a, I think, a three-meter wingspan. It was bright orange, if you recall, and it, and it was a, a flying wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, that was a pretty... Yeah, uh, they're, they're 
pretty interesting pictorial. And uh, I think, yeah, right about that time I found that. Actually, it might even be even earlier than that because, uh, you know, that was kind of what prompted me to, um, you know, make the statement about the $1,000 Chinese UAV. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think that's going to be a lot cheaper. And, and we'll talk about that, too, uh, further down the uh, in the podcast. Hopefully we don't run out of time. It, it always surprises me. And I, I guess it's a good uh, segue to into the next um, the next topic I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, and then that's the podcast series. And we ran a story on the SEOS News, and it was pretty funny. You know, we uh, we hit 100,000 downloads since, like, middle of May, which I was pretty impressed with. You know, and I know we talked about it. It was like, wow, you know. Uh, I had no idea that this was going to happen. I figured, oh, you know, we get 500 downloads a week, and, you know, the hardcore will want to listen, and, you know, yada, yada. But, uh Totally blew me away, and then you know, by the time the story got out, we had a, you know 120,000 downloads before it hit the street. Your your feelings on the podcast success? Yeah, that's been a real surprise in my eyes too. I mean, we're just sitting here basically talking about stuff that we do pretty much every day, uh, and again, I think it reflects that there's a base out there that really wants to see and hear what's going on and how they're being used. I think. The live series that we did with the fly-in, which uh, I believe that's, that's now the number one show that, uh, so far. It is, with 21,804 downloads as of this morning. The fly-in. That was the, the yeah. most listed show. And, and you know, it's it's unfortunate. I know we tried to do a, one last week with, uh, with the rest of the international folks, and the timing was just bad on that one. And, again, we missed this week because we were out flying the, uh, the Superbats all week. And uh, I really wanted to get a show on then, but uh, fortunately with uh, the weather conditions the way they were and us having to hustle through and, and stay on the ball, so to speak, we didn't really get to do that. But that, you know, that just shows you that there are a lot of folks out there that, that want to hear this. They want to be able to, to land on something that is concrete and that is not rumor and propaganda. Oh, I totally concur with that. And I know, yeah, the last show was kind of rough. Um, you know, I'm out here at White Sands Missile Range still for NIE 13.1. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that because uh, for personal reasons. Plus, I don't want to, um, you know, there's an OPSEC thing going. And, uh, you know, we are doing this future warfare thing out here and experiments and whatever. And I will say, though, if you want to learn more about the NIE 13.1, you can go to the Army Times website. You can go to Defense News and several other outlets. And, um, you know, that stuff has all gone through and been um, okayed for release. So I, I think we ran a story about the... Uh, the shadows, the improvements on the shadows, and, and, and them flying around at NIE. Um, so I don't really want to say anything personal because I don't want to, or you know, I don't want to really get caught up in any of that. But uh, I will say the information's out there, and you can go ahead and, and uh, Google NIE 13.1, and there's a bunch of stories out there that have been approved. You can see what we're doing. Um, so the last show I did, I was actually in a. We have a. Um, a vehicle that has satellite capability and all the rest of that. And I tried to soldier through. I know the audio was rough, but, you know, that's that kind of comes with the territory of these shows coming out of the field, you know, and uh, that's kind of what you get 
when we're doing this. And uh, even like you're saying was, you know, trying to do one last week and you guys were flying the super bats and I'm out here and the comms are bad and I'm in and out of comms and, I, and uh, you know, my schedule's really uh, hectic. I'm doing um, 12 and 14 hour days, seven days a week. A little tired. It's a little hard to get things done, but uh, I think we've soldiered through. And I did, I did enjoy the show uh, from that, that international SAR our thing and it sounded like that really went real successful what was you got any more takeaway on that gene yeah as a matter of fact i did get a couple of emails back from the guys out there and uh the the trainer the head trainer out there who was going back to england this week uh wanted to take back with him all the materials obviously that, that i brought to it and would like to start his own sar training using unmanned aircraft over there in the uk which is obviously very encouraging uh, because they can actually fly over there in the U.K. as long as they get their, their licenses and their fees paid. And I think that's just a, a fantastic deal if, if we can, you know, extend our reach to the U.K. through this program. I think it's a, an excellent opportunity for us, for SUS News. I, I know that, that uh, Chris Onions will report back to us and, and give us some updates. And I think it's just going to be a, a fantastic thing to do. And, and a lot of that came from us being able to approach them from SUS News in the podcast because they do want to be involved and they do want to show what they are capable of and what they can do as well. So it was perfect. It was perfect for us. Well, and another news story that, uh, I mean, we didn't cover it at SUS News, but since that show... You know, and I, I want to talk about it. It's uh, you know, you, we we were doing this are we're, we're talking about using small unmanned aircraft, uh, frangible unmanned aircraft. And since that time of that show, that we had a, a tragedy um, where actually they were doing SAR from a helicopter, and I'm sure you uh, yeah. heard that story. And they hit some power lines, and, and and it ended in a tragedy. It's really too bad. Um, That's correct. That was in Georgia, and uh, they lost. You know, two good troopers there, and they were searching for the uh, the, the child that was missing. And, yeah, it's a tragedy. Uh, that's that's a part of the the playing field that we we have when we go out and do that sort of thing, and the risks are known. But uh, there are also ways to mitigate those risks, and uh, we have a way. We're just not able to bring it to bear, and that's that's frustrating. It's very frustrating for me, uh, especially when. I've flown many missions where the unmanned asset very wisely pulled off and said, we can't fly there. And we've came in and said, we can, and we've done so, and we've done so successfully. Right. And, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't read uh, that other story that we're running today, which HAI, which is Helicopter Association International, had uh, talked or wrote a letter of endorsement to the FAA acting administrator about, you know, getting on with the, uh, the NAS integration process for unmanned aircraft systems. And, you know, the HAI, great bunch of guys. I'm an associate member of that organization. Um, they're you know down to down to earth organization. I will say that it's kind of funny. My buddy over there, Dave York, great guy, um, and I went to their show <laughs> a couple of years ago. And uh, he, there's this guy uh, comes up and he's the um, I guess the head of the 
I think it was uh, to the the guys that fly for uh, hospitals or whatever. And uh, Dave walks up and he's like, "Hey, I want to introduce you to this guy." He says, "This is Patrick Egan. He wants to fly unmanned aircraft in your airspace," <laughs> and walks off. <laughs> He's holding the bag with this guy who's, you know, he's a Vietnam bad, and he's like, what? What do you want to do? Oh, you're trying to kill us, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, 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 no. I had to go through and explain all of this again, but it was pretty funny. He's a good guy. Dave York's a good guy. HAI is a good uh, organization. They were even kind enough to uh, host one of the um, small UAS ARC meetings, and a good bunch of people. And they have a great show if you're into helicopters, man. It's uh, wall-to-wall helicopters. I went to their show. I forget what year that was. I think it was 2009. It was in Anaheim. And, uh, you know, of course, we got to bring all these helicopters in. And they're just coming in one after the other, landing in the parking lot. It was it was pretty impressive. Pretty impressive stuff. But uh, even them, I, I think they could kind of see the, the value. Um, and, and there are certain instances, you know, again, it's another tool in the toolbox. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, manned helicopters will have no place in the future. And I think you would agree with that notion, but I don't want to speak for you. It's very unlikely, Patrick, that an unmanned asset of any sort is going to be flying into a canyon or up to a mountain to pluck a stranded climber off of a hill. Very, right. very unlikely that that's going to happen anytime soon. It could. I'm not saying it won't, but right now that's not going to happen. However, we could keep that helicopter out of those rotors, that the rotor wash and the turbulence that goes on in the canyons while we are looking for the individual, which greatly reduces their risk. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Well, and you know, I would, uh, I would agree. So there, there's definitely they could even work in uh, conjunction, and I think other people are starting to see that. I think kind of that that boogeyman thing is uh, going away. Some of that apprehension is dying off. The the privacy thing is, is you know, we're going to still work that. I, I still think that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't even get it, man. I mean, more and more stories, you know, these. Cities and municipalities are going to be putting cameras on armored cars and driving them around, and there's cameras everywhere. I mean, on the buses, on the trains. You know. I really think it's kind of a red herring, but maybe it's it's easy to you know paint the target on unmanned aircraft because people are afraid of the technology, you know, thinking you're going to get the Skynet deal from the Terminator. I don't know. Still got to get out there and work that one. Um, and. I would like to uh, make mention again for our listeners, uh, the House bill that you should look for on that is House Bill 6199. That bill was authored by uh, Congressman Ted Poe of Houston, Texas. So watch that one very closely. It was uh, indicated that it was a placeholder. It wasn't a complete law, but it was a placeholder so that they could fill in privacy issues, which is very much like Nancy Pelosi said, we need to pass this law so we can see what's in it. Mm. Uh, I, I don't particularly like that way of legislation, so we need to watch that very closely, and as it develops, you need to let your elected officials know what you think about it. Yes, and, uh, you know, on a, uh, another um, note, I will, uh, I want to say, you know, I, I did, uh, that that issue was in uh, this month's uh, issue of uh, Congressional Quarterly, 
there was an article about that. And it's talking about the, uh, and you know, where would I get a copy of Congressional Quarterly? I'm not a subscriber. But, <laughs> yeah, they have these great rugs, you know, when you're like a member of Congress, it's a circular rug, and it, you know, talks, you know, Congress, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to get one of those. I guess you got to be a member of Congress. So, you know, vote for me next time. Anyway, right. the, <laughs> you know, uh, this article is pretty telling. Uh, a lot of the issues that we're talking about here, um, uh, a lot of what you were talking about, and but the, I thought it was kind of funny. It's a co- it's the cover story, okay? Uh, fear of prying, um, you know. And the 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 sub um, the subtitle on that is uh, thanks to Congress, drones could be prol- proliferating soon in America's skies. That prospect has sparked fears about privacy and safety, and it goes on and on. And you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm seeing some uh, photos from uh, AUVSI, yada yada, and you know, all the rest of the stuff where you're getting the, uh, you know, they they range in size from the 16,000 pound Avenger to the nano hummingbird made by you know who, yada yada. 4.4 pounds, 55 pounds, you know, all the same stuff, all the same players, all the same stuff that we hear. And, you know, and uh, the fleet of domestic drones could reach 30,000 by 2030, which those numbers were pulled out of the sky, basically, for... It's funny where those numbers came from. You know, the FAA says, oh, we don't, we didn't come up with those numbers, but actually numbers were came up with for the NPRM process, for the small UAS arc, and people were asked and queried, you know, how many drones do you think they're going to be in the sky by such and such time? And, you know, these, these milestone dates, yada, 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 which were almost impossible to answer as far as I was concerned as you have a situation where uh, it's very regulatory dependent. And I know that we've talked about this, but um, I think those numbers for 2030 are low. I think the 30,000 number is extremely low. But again, you know, if, if we're looking at the regulation that um, is proposed to come out, the 400 feet, the 1,500 feet laterally, and all the draconian stuff that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is being um, tossed about in the ASTM F-38 thing, um, maybe it will be 30,000. You know, I think uh, again, if the FAA came up with something that was uh, common sense, I think that number would be could be ten times that number. Your thoughts, Gene? I agree completely with that assessment. That I think that they are already. It's a nascent industry anyway, but I think there are a whole slew of guys out there and gals that have the basis they have it right now it's sitting in their garage they've got an aircraft they can actually fly it out of line of sight and they can retrieve it and they've done so successfully and if there was some common sense rules put in place we would see those guys get out i think we would see a flood of them come out they would start be start doing more commercial operations you'd see but they, they would be very very small footprint operations the right. Spotters with uh, a video camera, and they go up a hundred feet, and they stay up there for five minutes and come right down. Well, that counts as a flight, and there's one of the thirty thousand that's in the air at any given time. Right, I, I agree, and 
I do think that, um, you know, this is an industry that could, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, professional wages, yada, yada, ad nauseum. Um, it's the same thing, you know, uh, I think with the numbers for people that are flying, let's say, recreational RC aircraft. Yeah, I, some, uh, I've heard estimates, especially from the AMA, that really there's only about 5,000 RC flyers besides those in the AME, AMA. And I would just have... <laughs> really? <laughs> I I agree totally with that. That's that, my friend, is... Uh, that's that's not even... I, I don't even... It, it doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, since the electron or electric revolution, as I like to call it, there's hundreds of thousands of people flying RC aircraft that are not AMA members. That I have to say that that's kind of the appeal. You don't have to go to the sites. You know, you don't have to wait. You don't have to, you know, uh, sit there and, and get the pecking order and all the rest of that. And I think it's just opened it up to hundreds of thousands of people, and I think everybody's in denial. And then that kind of you know, feeds into the next story. Um, you know, the uh, I did want to talk about um, the 3D robotics, and you probably saw that news story on the SUS news website. Yeah, indeed, we've known, uh, known our little buddy Chris there for a while, haven't we? Yeah, I've been, you know, he was doing the Wired Magazine thing, and, you know, the last time I met with him in, in June, I, I really, I was telling him, I go, hey, you know, my hat's off to you, you know, I was actually there with Daryl Davidson from the AUBSI Foundation, which is doing RoboNation now, which I gave him some free advice, and I think he took it for what it was worth, but I think that, if, you know, you're going to really do, you know, I'm going to do a high-tech robotics um, website, I, I think you need to have a presence in Silicon Valley. That was my advice. I mean, you know, Washington or Virginia is great, but if you're going to do that and you really want to come out as, you know, we're the high-tech robotics people, you're going to have to have a presence in Silicon Valley. But that's a discussion for another time. Anyway, we met with Chris Anderson. We went to Wired Magazine. We got the tour. I think we discussed it on the podcast. And I told Chris, you know, my hat's really off to you. You know, you never really used Wired Magazine to promote your products or your company or yada, yada. Um, you know, um, subsequently there was, I think, a 10-page article on drones that came out of that. But whatever, you know, he's, he's leaving that, and he's, he's going to do the three-year robotics thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, uh, You know, on one hand, it's like, good on you. You're making some money. You're doing some stuff. I know there was there were certain things he was a little uncomfortable about. I mean, they have a facility in, T- in uh, Mexico where they manufacture and, you know, he expressed, he's like, I would love to have done that in the United States and create the jobs here. But the reason he didn't was uh, ITAR. And, you know, most people out there, here's some more, we're wheeling out the ore cart, some more gold for you. Is uh, You know, the ITAR thing is a retroactive um, thing. At one point, you may say, oh, you know, I go to the State Department, I want to sell... Uh, these widgets here to uh, people on the internet and whatever, and they can make a determination and say, oh, okay, great, it's not controlled technology, have a nice day, go nuts, you know, sell away. And then they could come back five years later and go, you know what, we decide that's controlled technology, and then you're responsible for finding and securing all of those products that you sold over the years, or getting a heavy fine, or Leavenworth, yada, yada. Not a lot of fun. So... You know, he did He did say, well, you know, I had to move to Mexico. I wish I could have been here doing it. I will say, you know, I mean, for, from the from my own uh, perspective to say, well, you know, there's $5 million worth of 
funding for a amateur company uh, seems like a lot of bread. I mean, and people are like, wow, five million is a lot of money. I mean, I, I interviewed for another consulting job in Silicon Valley with another company, which is, you know, I think we've talked about some of these frustrations in the past, but, you know, talking to them about what they were going to need to do and regulation, and they had this whole <clears throat> business plan worked out where they were going to be flying, and it was going to be, you know, 10 cents a kilometer was going to be their cost, yada, yada, and on and on. And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice, but the mission you want to do is not really something we can do in this regulatory climate. It's going to be hard to find funding. Oh, no, we got, you know, $10, 15000000 million worth of funding already. You know, so the people are jumping in. I think that's what yep. we can deduce from this. And the people are jumping in with real money. And and this is another, you know, as you're sifting around in the ore cart, um, you know, I, I got to say these numbers are realistic. If you want to be in this game and you want to be poised to be ready for the regulation to come out, which I think most people are thinking is going to probably come out next year um, or no later than 2015, but I think if you really think you're going to be poised to be in this business and be a manufacturer, I think those are real numbers. Gene, go ahead. I believe two years, you're going to have to hang on at least two years. You know, we've been playing this game since 2007. And we've said that at that point, it could have been two years easily until the regulation showed up. Then we said five years. And we have surpassed five years, but at least we have some glimmer of hope. I think you're going to have to have two more years as a manufacturer and you have to have a proven, mature product to start seeing ROI in two years. And whatever it takes to get there, it's going to be an expensive proposition, but it will pay off. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, Parrot drones, perfect example. They've sold, I don't even know, tens of thousands of those things, you know. Uh, I have one waiting at home, the new generation. The, the parent people sent it to me to review for the shed, which was another story I wanted to get to. But, uh, you know, um, it's a great thing, you know. Uh, you know, I think it's good. I do think that, you know, there are going to be some issues, especially, um, you know, with this type of uh, business and technology. You are hitting, you know, some good points. I, I, most people that come in and invest on something with that kind of money are not willing to wait eight quarters, 10 quarters, 12 quarters for an ROI, um, you know, and so I think that's going to be difficult. Another thing I think is going to be uh, difficult is, and, and we've talked about this in this series, and I think one of them is, is some legal considerations for the driverless car, wasn't really one of the more popular shows, which is kind of interesting to me because there's a lot of... Um, let's say, overlay between the technologies. It's still unmanned. It's still going to be commercial. There's going to be some issues, and you should be ready for them. Um, and I think that th those are going to crop up as issues for um, any any company that's product is getting used commercially. Do you agree with that? I agree completely. And I do want to stress that that's in a civil market, not DOD or anything like that. Uh, that's that's my my. Prediction is based on being able to use unmanned aircraft commercially in a civilian market. Right, I, I agree with that, and I and I'm, I'm actually happy that you went by back and kind of uh, you know qualified that because 
people might misunderstand that, but I agree with you on that. Um, you know, it depends on the price points. I'm talking to people that are coming out of the woodwork. Uh, you know, I've got this quadcopter. I'm selling it like hotcakes. i got this coming out. It's going to do this, blah, blah, blah. I don't really think people understand the nuances. Again, it's kind of frustrating on the consulting side. Um, when people want to pick your brain, you kind of tell them, hey, you know, uh, this is kind of what I do for a living. You want to, you know, get into this business and talk to people up front. Um, I don't know. It, it It is kind of funny how people are looking at that, that 3D robotic story. I've had people call up and, and uh, you know, vent some frustration and kind of feel like uh, Chris might be cutting some corners and that people that have been in it for a long time and have been working this issue are a little uh, resentful. I don't know, man. Everybody has their own feelings on all of these stories. It's for you to kind of figure it out. I think we went through a lot of stuff today. Again, 45 minutes, you know, whizzed right by, and we didn't get to all the stories that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Happens every week. It just it, it just blows me away. I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, we get down to the two-minute warning, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's over, you know. But uh, we've got about um, another 12 seconds here, Gene. Um, I'd like to thank you again Looking for forward to trying to do some more field work. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. Have everybody stay tuned because we're going to be keeping all of this rolling. That sounds good. See you next week, buddy. Okay. Goodbye.